The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what is going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today. Very special day. Thanksgiving. Yay. I've never really given a shit about Thanksgiving. Um, Although this year I've spent some more time thinking about it, uh, especially with the lockdowns and everything else. But uh, yeah, I think last last month I started this short story. I had the idea for a long time, uh, but then I realized it was a Thanksgiving story. I thought no better place than to share it today. Um, and here on Facebook Live. So I'm not on here very often, but I thought I would do put out the podcast and read this short story. Um, so we'll get that started in a little bit. This story is from Morsels of Mayhem. If you guys haven't checked that out, it is one of the three short stories that is in that small collection. Uh, it's free to newsletter subscribers. So go to my website, marktulius.com to pick that up. Or you can get on Amazon all over the place. And right now I do have all so much of my stuff on sale or free. I think, uh, what do we got? Unlocking the Cage is free on Kindle this week. Uh, also have, uh, what's the one? Try Not to Die on Brightside. I think over 700 people have downloaded it to date, which is awesome. So all kinds of new eyes on that. Twisted Reunion on sale. So all kinds of stuff. Um, but anyhow, let's get to this. Let's go ahead and start the story. Um, so again, this is... I am not known for happy stories. Uh, I don't write a whole lot of happy stories. And the language in this might be a little bit rough. So perhaps kids should not be watching. But I hope you guys are enjoying your Thanksgiving. And I hope you like this story. Alright guys, here we go. This is Stuffed. Everyone equates Thanksgiving with fun times and family. But not me. As kids, we'd love shoveling down favorite foods and delicious desserts, but by the time it was dark, we'd be laid out on the floor in a food coma. Meanwhile, the women would gossip and clean up the kitchen, and the men would hoot and holler at the football teams, tempers flaring with lost bets. That eat-until-you-burst mindset was too hard to shake, and here I am, 40 years later. Having overweight parents didn't help my odds, but it's my dislike of exercise that got me ending up like this my fat ass stuffed on the couch. To make matters worse, my posture is terrible. Every day I sink a little deeper into the sofa, my shoulders slumping forward, my man boobs resting on top of my bulging belly. Man, those were embarrassing, especially in high school. But Sandra said they didn't bother her. None of me did. But that was also when she was 50 pounds heavier and still believed we were both just big boned. God damn it, Bobby says loud enough to hear it through the wall. His bedroom door flies open, and all ten years and two hundred pounds of him barrels into the living room, his curly blonde hair smashed down by his cherry red headphones. Stop shooting, he yells into the mouthpiece. He slams the door closed, the bang loud enough to give someone a heart attack. Bobby, Sandra yells from upstairs. There's no way of knowing if Bobby heard her. He hurries past me without a word, jumps on the recliner, all while grabbing the charger, the most graceful I've seen him. Hold on, he says to his online friends. I've got to plug in. Bobby, Sandra shrieks. He raises the headphone an inch from his ear. 
Without taking his eyes off the screen, he shouts, What? Sounding like he really wants to add, The hell do you want? Don't slam doors! His headphones slip... His headphone slips back and tells his friends, It's nothing. Bobby pounds buttons. His eyes narrow. I'm back, motherfuckers, he says, keeping it low. Sandra would lose her shit if she knew how bad Bobby's language was. But I'd be a hypocrite to say anything. When I was Bobby's age, I cussed like crazy. And he's dealing with ten times more than I ever had to. <clears throat> Three seconds of silence, then Bobby blurts out, did you see that? Oh my god, I nailed his ass. Buttons smash and he scrunches his face, dimpling those chubby cheeks. Stop shooting me. Hey, stop shooting. I said stop it. He's like this all day. Can you hear me? Don't make me kick you. Kick him. Kick him. Do it. Kick him. Non-stop. My new white noise. The TV's off. My reflection an unnecessary reminder of my pitiful existence. They'll turn it on when Sandra's parents get here. But there won't be any football, that's for sure, now that I have no say. The TV's 77 inches, biggest one I've ever owned. The price tag said 3600 but I worked them down to 3200 a week and a half of work. It's kind of sad, but it isn't until you start running out of time that you notice how much you've sacrificed for everything, what you've given up for objects. The entertainment center had to be custom, white oak because we couldn't risk a crappy Ikea piece falling over or anyone judging us for having it. Two more weeks spent at the office, and client dinners ensuring I wasn't around for any of the framed photographs adorning the center. Another huge time suck was the walnut floorboards. Ten more days of work just to pay for it in here and the kitchen. The glass coffee table represents an overnight trip. The hairdryer upstairs makes me realize Bobby's being quiet. His mouthpiece pulled up. He's still watching his screen, but his hand is digging around in the side of the recliner. He brings out a full-size snicker bar and tears it open, pushes the melting bar into his mouth. The bar is finished in seconds, and Bobby licks the inside of the wrapper before balling it up and sticking it in his pocket. Again, I can't say anything. I'm the one who hid the bars there and who made Sandra buy them. Thirty bucks a bag to get Bobby and me through the week. Barely a half hour of work. Bobby wipes his mouth with the back of his hand and puts the mouthpiece down. <clears throat> These headf those headphones were 60 bucks, and that's his fourth pair this year. The gaming platform cost 200 but the game was free. The skins, emotes, and all the other stupid shit that he pleaded for added on an easy 100 Altogether, about a day and a half of work so he can screw off his entire life looking at a screen. But if we calculate the cost per hour used, then we're talking pennies. Just like the TV, his gaming is priceless. At one point we'd limited Bobby's screen time, but that was before everything changed. The gaming keeps him busy, if not quiet. No one else in the house can give him what he needs right now anyhow. Plus, at least he's interacting with real people, which is more than Mal does. The doorbell rings and there's a quick knock on the door. Bobby's back talking smack to his friends, and I'm not getting up. The hairdryer turns off. Bobby! Sandra shouts. Get the door! I assume he can't hear her. Three seconds of silence and Sandra says, Malibu, answer the door! Mal stomps down the stairs, wearing all black with matching eyeliner. I'm assuming Sandra hasn't seen her yet, because I haven't heard, of, I haven't heard her bitching 
I was not very holiday appropriate. What the hell? Mal mumbles at Bobby, who's off in his own little world. She switches her paper back into her left hand and opens the door. I can't see what she's reading. Probably something about vampires or zombies. It's been nothing but darkness for the last three weeks. Mal disappears for a second and comes back with a white package and an angry face. That's bullshit, Bobby says. No ganging up on me. Mal locks the front door and chucks the package at Bobby, knocking the game out of his hand. Bobby tears off his headphones and screams, What the hell? It's yours. Why'd you throw it? How about you take off your damn headphones and answer the door? How about you go screw yourself? Mal storms off toward the stairs. Bobby whips the package back out her. The corner smack in the top of my head. Look what you did! Mal hurries over and combs down my wig. Sorry, Dad. Her face is red when she yells at Bobby. You're such a jerk! Bobby heads for his room, eyes on the game. My stupid-ass sister just got me killed, he says, slamming the door behind him. Bobby! Sorry, Mom, Mal says toward the stairs. I hope Sandra hasn't always yelled like that. She never did when I was around, but I wasn't around much. We'd agreed early on that the kids in the house would be her responsibilities while I went out and made the money. If she has to yell to control them, I can't really argue. Mal pats the back of, my, of the wig down and tries to smile. I can see that she wants to, just like preschool, shy and afraid. She sits on the edge of the coffee table, barely 14 and become a beautiful young woman, so smart, but so full of pain. It's been three weeks since she's been this close. The first day I got back from the procedure, she gave me a small hug I couldn't feel. The next day she hugged me from behind and whispered in my ear, I love you. The following day was when Sandra went through my computer, found some things I wish she hadn't. Mal flips her book back and forth, a flash of black and bones on the cover. She clears her throat and says, I, I, I'm sorry I didn't. I hate that she apologizes for everything, especially when it's not her fault. There's no reason for her to see my side of things. I've never really been there for her. We never talked about anything important. No nuggets of wisdom passed down. It's like I've always been this useless. Mal lowers her head, her bangs hiding the tears as they drop to the floor. Last time she cried in front of me was a few years ago out of embarrassment. Her friend Cindy asked if I was stuck on the couch. She'd never seen me anywhere else. Mal starts to pick up my hand but stops with her fingers on my wrist. She pulls away and heads for the stairs. I'm sorry. I've never cried in front of another person, and God knows I won't now. I'm suffocating with realizations and regret, but I won't cry. If I started, there'd be no stopping. All I do know is that this is the worst mistake I've ever made. I never wanted or expected this. This wasn't part of the deal. But then again, the deal was verbal and not something I could sue over. Sandra's coming down the stairs in a beautiful blue dress hugging her hips. She trips on the last step but catches herself, her eyes never leaving her phone. She sets it down on the coffee table and turns on the TV, changes the channel to CNN. In a cold whisper, she says, There you go. My sense of smell is gone, but I suspect she's wearing perfume more than she needs to go with all the makeup. Sandra straightens out the recliner so it's angled just so, then heads into the kitchen, leaving me with the news. I don't get upset about it anymore. 
is just another circus to steal our attention and time. The phone vibrates, a message bringing the screen to life. Even upside down, I can see it's Carl, her friend from the gym. Sandra must have sensed the buzz because she's back, phone in hand, smiling as her fingers fly. That smile is what won me over 25 years ago. It's what kept our marriage going. I think it was real most of the time, but the way she's smiling now, she'll never do it at me again. Even if she would listen, even if I could get the words out, it wouldn't do me any good explaining Tiffany and I had never had sex. They were just photos and words, but we never crossed that line. Sandra sets the phone down. Malibu, Bobby, it's almost three o'clock. Mal says, I'll be right there. Of course, there's nothing from Bobby. Sandra ignores it and re retreats to the kitchen. Still clad in black, no one is going to cause problems. Mal comes down with a book. The doorbell rings. I know it's Sandra's parents because if Helen Vanderhoof is nothing else, she is punctual. I got it, Mal says, walking behind me. Well, look at you, Helen says, not trying to hide her disappointment and make me glad I can't see the door. Hi, Grandma, Mal says, keeping it pleasant. I'm in the kitchen, Sandra yells. Coming, Helen says, followed by a hump of indignity as she passes by. Come here, sweetheart, Roy says. You just ignore her, he whispers. I sure do. I love you, Grandpa. Double for me, he says. The door closes and Roy pats my shoulder. Almost didn't recognize you without a drink in your hand. I'll go grab us some whiskeys. Mal knocks on Bobby's door. Get out here. She sits on the love seat and disappears into her book. Oh my, Helen gasps from the kitchen. How long has it been in here? It's fine, Mom, Sandra says. I put it in at 210. At 3.50? It'll be dry, honey. Hey, Sandy, Roy says. You're looking good. Thanks, you too. Oh, don't go telling him that, Helen says. He'll believe it and will keep eating ice cream until he ends up like you-know-who. Mom, why don't you warm up the beans? Not here two minutes and already with the drinking, Helen says. Roy doesn't say anything loud enough for me to hear. He sets my whiskey on the coffee table, then takes his drink to the end of the couch. That's one of the things I've always liked about you, Bob, he says as he turns up the TV's volume, eyes on the screen. You never let me drink by myself. Bobby slips out of his bedroom and stands beside the entertainment center. Without his game gear, he looks so much younger and less confident. Hey, Grandpa, he says with a small wave. Roy doesn't respond, too busy mumbling about the news. Bobby pulls his phone out of his back pocket and sits beside Mal, who's focused on her book. It's been three weeks, Helen says, loud enough for everyone to hear. How much longer are you going to put up with this? Quiet down, Sandra says. He'll be out by Christmas. Roy turns up the TV. Bobby says, wow, that's kind of loud. He's right, but is no match for Helen saying, well, it's disgusting. Not today, Mom. Not one to stop a conversation before she's ready. Helen says, well, it's just not right. It's not natural. Roy pauses the channel. Ladies, I think that's enough. Don't pretend it doesn't bother you, Helen tells him. Roy brings down the drink on the armrest, splashes whiskey on the couch. It's none of our damn business. Helen says, why couldn't he just be cremated or buried like normal people? That question plays on a loop every moment of every day. So much worse to consider. 
since the discovery of Tiffany's emails. Yeah, he could have been a diamond, Bobby says. Mal shakes her head and moves to the spot to my right. Roy says, or a tree. That's what I'm going to do. No, you're not, Helen barks from the kitchen entrance. We have our plots. Jesus, Helen, Roy says. Will you ever stop? Helen acts like she's never heard this before, even though we've all heard it plenty. I'm sorry, Roy says, but this isn't okay, Helen. This isn't okay, Helen says, pointing right at me. He shouldn't be here. He wanted to be here, Mal shouts, the loudest I've ever heard her. It was in his will. Mal's right about it being in my will, but I sealed the deal without telling any of them. Doc had only given me a 3% chance of making it through the month, and the taxidermist gave me a big break on the price. I could have gotten the procedure for free if I'd been healthy, but like the guy said, my heart and liver were useless. There was no way any of us could have known this would happen, that my soul would somehow stick to my body. I didn't even believe we have a soul, but how the fuck am I seeing, hearing, and thinking if my brain's been removed? That doesn't mean it's still not gross, Bobby says. Shut up, Bobby. Mal gets up in front of him and says, And turn off that goddamn game. Bobby says, You're not my boss. Kids, Sandra screams. Stop it. Mal snatches his phone and throws it across the room where it slams off the wall. Bobby pushes Mal's shoulders so hard, her head snaps back and she trips on the coffee table. I'm afraid she's going to plunge right through the glass, but she manages to throw her body toward the couch. She's headed right for me and braces for the fall. I don't feel a thing as her hand punches through my stomach and fluid sack, deep into my stuffing, her elbow right where my belly button had been. Mal shrieks, ripping her arm out of me, the Build-A-Bear-like stuffing clinging to her forearm. I tip to the side, my head landing where Roy had been sitting, my insides oozing out. Roy's on his feet, trying to grab Mal. He shouts at Bobby, Look what you did! Bobby's face flashes red. She started it! He runs to his room and slams the door. Mal's hysterical, clawing at her arm. Get it off! Get it off! Sandra hurries over and wraps Mal in a hug. It'll come right off, honey, Sandra says, taking her upstairs. I'll help you. Helen gasps, then falls beside the recliner. She clutches her blouse and says, My heart! Roy drops to his knees next to Helen. He cries out, Call 911! Mal's screaming upstairs, Sandra shushing her. Roy shouts for help, but no one answers him. There's only silence as I look down on my body, Roy hugging Helen on the floor. It feels like I'm floating, my vision growing dim. A final thought, that there's always something to be thankful for. Alright guys, that is the end. Hopefully you liked that Thanksgiving story. I had a lot of fun coming up with it. But if nothing else, it definitely made me a little bit grateful. So uh, it's easy to complain. It's easy to bitch. It's easy to be upset about things we may not have or whatever. But if we could be grateful for every second that we're even alive, we're grateful for our family, all that good stuff. I think that's what it's all about. But then again, what the hell do I know? But I do wish all of you a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for checking it out. And I will talk to you later. Peace. All right, guys, that was the end of that. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that short story. Um, 
I got to get back to the rest of the celebration. I need to go smoke some weed, jump into a cold pool, play some Fortnite, do all that fun stuff. Maybe have some pie too. Why not? I think I will. Uh, but yeah, hopefully you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully you enjoyed the story and I will talk to you next week. Later. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.